Welcome to Chatting Wine, the video and podcast series where we talk about all things wine related, keeping it simple, interesting and informative. Check out our Instagram page if you want to see more details. Cheers! Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Chatting Wine. Uh, today I'm with a friend of mine called Tom Hansen-Smith. Uh, Tom, say hi to everyone. Hello guys, thanks very much for tuning in. I'm coming to you all from the famous Hammersmith in London. Oh, bloody hell, well posh, well posh. <laughs> um, Tom, uh, Tom, I used to work with Tom years ago uh, at a bar in Oxford. Um, but Tom now works for a company called Journey's End uh, that are a South African winemaker. Um, and Tom sort of based himself out there a lot. Tom, have you been in South Africa most of the time? We've been back, back in the UK during lockdown. So lockdown, sadly, I've, well, not sadly, because it's been, I've had a sort of nice time, all things um, sort of aside, but I've been in the UK. Um, I was in South Africa kind of earlier in the year, and then I flew back in March, and I've been sort of, yeah, isolating and adhering to government guidelines in London. Um, but my, the guy I work with and for was in South Africa uh, and has been kind of to and fro, making sure that everything is, is ticking over. Yeah, nice. Must be quite a strange time for South Africa right now. Has, has the vintages gone out? Well, the, you picked probably just before everything happened, right? Or Yeah, so, I mean, having done a vintage yourself, you'll know, first of all, how mental it is. It's, it's a huge amount of fun. It's flat out um, and time is of the essence. And we were able to get all the white grapes in uh, before lockdown started, which was a, a big relief. I think South Africa's tracking at about two and a half weeks slower in terms of timeline wise than the UK. So March, they were still um, more or less operating uh, in, in a normal capacity. And then when lockdown was enforced, Mike, our winemaker, who I think you've met, a great guy, he lives on the farm. And so he had a sort of crack team of him and one other guy who was based up on the farm as well. And they, they managed to kind of finish the back end of harvest and then go uh, put the wine through the necessary sort of precision treatment in the winery. Um, so, yeah, it was a slim, a streamlined team. Tough. Yeah, it was. Yeah. I mean, you, I think, I don't know how many you had working with you when you did Harvest, but we normally have about 30 people and yeah. two yeah. people did it. So he's <laughs> quite right. He's quite rightly on <laughs> annual leave at the moment. <laughs> the next three years, yeah. Next three years, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, let's let's go into it. We're going to talk about South African wines. Um, I love South African wines. It's one of my favourite, probably is my favourite place to, to drink from. Um, Tom, talk me through sort of the main, sort of, we'll start with red, main red varieties in South Africa. So um, I guess a good place to start is a grape that is indigenous and was created in South Africa. Um, I think it was back in 1925 by Dr... Um, Abraham Isaac Perold, and he, uh, in his lab, he was the first um, sort of leading viticulturalist from St- at Stellenbosch University, and he um, grafted together what was called Hermitage back in the day, but is now Sanso, and Pinot Noir, and created this grape varietal that some of us love and some of us don't love, called uh, Pinotage. And Pinotage was very much the backbone of, of kind of South African wine production um, from when it was first planted. Um, and it's still rife across the country now. And there's some, some sensationally good pinotages. But 
I think the most planted red grape at the moment is Cabernet Sauvignon. And mm. we all know Cab originates from Bordeaux and, and why, it's, um, why it's so um, successful in uh, South Africa is because a lot of the regions that Cab thrives in, like Stellenbosch um, and sort of Paal and, and, a, and a bit of um, Constantia have got similar soils and similar climates. They've got um, a big kind of range of temperatures which basically prolong the ripening period and just give really good fruit. So yeah, I'd say Cab, Pinotage and then Shiraz are your sort of known household varietals. But um, there are some really quirky plantings. Um, you know, there's some guys who are working with kind of Tinta Roreith and Tariga Nacional. There's some incredible Pinot Noir. So you might... It's a bit of everything. Correct. Really. Everything, yeah. I mean, I, I might be... In fact, there's not, I might be, I am biased. And I think South Africa is just the most <laughs> mega wine producing country, but the range is, is staggering. Um, and that is because um, in the kind of main area that, that wine is grown, they have so many different microclimates, meaning that they can just experiment. And I think being sort of still dubbed as the new kid on the block within the new world, even though they've produced wine since 1656, it gives them this awesome kind of freedom and uh, reign to just experiment and yeah, work with wacky varietals and produce knockout mm. wines. Yeah, I, I I totally agree with you. I, I think um, there's some really interesting stuff grown. Some of the best ones I've ever tried have been from South Africa, and at amazing yeah. prices as well. That's the other good thing. Um, Agreed. You, we, we, you touch on Pinotage. Obviously, <clears throat> it well, it's had a, a quite a poor reputation in the last what fifteen twenty years, but. Yeah. I think for maybe maybe for a few more people in the wine trade, it is having a little comeback, and there's some really decent aged pinotages out there, and also some just new fresh pinotages that are really delicious as well. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think, um, as I said, it was kind of the, the, the South African wine rep was built loosely around pinotage and Chenin Blanc, and at the time, the, the kind of majority of that was was entry level bulk wine um but that was important because it put south africa on the map and about 60 or 70 percent of most of the wine coming into the uk uh, specifically but also just internationally was coming through pinotage and chenin blanc so it got south africa on the map and then as i said these kind of quirky characters in the industry then just elevated it and there's some amazing stuff you know the kind of fairview make an amazing one there's obviously canon cop who are kind of flying the flag for pinotage um, we actually don't make one, which is slightly bizarre, seeing as we have a vineyard in South Africa. But it's it's purely to do with our winemaker's choice, and also we're wanting to kind of provide a point of difference. So we actually don't do sure. a Pinotage or a Chenin. Well, you, you mentioned Chenin. Let's talk about white varieties in South Africa. What are the popular white varieties? Is it similar sort of thing? Like, is there tons of European <coughs> white varieties growing over here as well? Yeah, there are. So um, 1656 was when the first Dutch settler um, and first white settler arrived in South Africa from Holland. And he brought with him uh, on his ship uh, two great varietals. One was a great varietal called Muscat, which uh, is a sort of dessert wine grape. And that goes into probably the most famous South African wine today, a wine called Van der Constance, which is just spine tinglingly good. Um, if you can get your hands on it, buy buy a bottle or two. It's quite punchy, but it's it's worth the the um 
the money. And then Chenin Blanc was the other one, which was known as Stien, which is the Dutch for stone because of its kind of flint-like character. And Chenin now, to this day, makes up about 18% of all South African wine production. Um, a vast majority of that goes into still wine, but a bit of it goes into brandy. Uh, so brandy kind of is made up of Chenin Blanc, Semillon and Colombard. So they're two other varietals that are planted uh, in abundance. And then, yeah, you've got the household um, sort of European white. So you've got the queen of the white wine grapes, the Chardonnay, which we we are choosing to champion on our farm. And there are some um, world-class Chardonnays in South Africa. You've got some great Pinot Grigios. You've got some incredibly cool varietals like um, Roussan, some Grenache Blancs. Uh, and then, yeah, you've got those quirky um, sort of Portuguese varietals. And then you've got some, some Italian varietals being, being grown as well. So it's really a hotbed for kind of innovation and exciting varietals. But um, yeah, Chenin's the kind of the main and Sauvignon Blanc, of course. This is what I, I find so exciting about stuff is that I have these these podcasts with you know we talk about certain areas and you, you tend to mention two or three great varieties but with South Africa there's so much as we said earlier so much being grown which I love about it like you're always discovering new and exciting things there yeah um, which is awesome um, can you talk me through sort of the, the main areas in South Africa like where we where, where's the best place for growing in South Africa? Are you looking Joburg? Are you looking Cape Town? Where, where should you be going? And where are Good the most question. famous places? <clears throat> so the majority of, of wine, of sort of wine grown and production is within the Western Cape. There is, a, there are a couple of really interesting vineyards up in Durban. Um, a guy I work with at Ernie Ailes, Thornton Pillay, who I think is one of the first Indian winemakers in South Africa, is head winemaker there. But other than those two wineries and a couple much further along the garden route, like Retief Hursen's, the golf players um, winery. The so, where, where, so the Western Cape is what? And the garden route is what? So the Western Cape is the sort of province that Cape Town um, sits in. And that goes more or less all the way up to uh, sort of George region. And then you've got the Eastern Cape <clears throat> and the garden route is this beautiful drive that goes all the way from Cape Town up to almost Port Elizabeth, East London, uh, and it's just incredible scenery. You've got the ocean to your right. You've got amazing kind of craggy mountain ranges to your left. And you just drive through these beautiful, um, beautiful kind of valleys. And you've got vineyards populating the hillsides. And all along there, um, you've got uh, different wine regions. So I guess the kind of most easternmost point of, of where wine is made in, in the Western Cape or Eastern Cape even is, is Kalitzdorp. And Kalitzdorp has got a pretty um, quirky sort of soil type and produces mainly um, mainly sort of well-known varietals such as Chenin Blanc, but that's where you'll see a lot of the Portuguese varietals used because it's very dry and very arid and it sort of suits those type of varietals um, down to the ground. And then if you come inland a little bit more, you've then got the wonderful kind of area of Walker Bay, which is right on the coast near a little town called Hermanus and Walker Bay boasts the best Pinot Noir in South Africa by a country mile and it's a wonderful um, sort of seaside um, setup and then the valley that the vineyards sit in is called the Hemel and Arda which means heaven and earth in Afrikaans and and it's rolling rolling green hills and it's actually it's much much cooler than 
than Stellenbosch, which I'll talk about in a sec, and Franschuk and Paul. And so it's suited to more Burgundian and Rhone varietals. Um, and they get a lot of rainfall. So when we were sitting with, you know, millimetres of rain during the drought or actually no rain at all, they were inundated with massive rain showers. So huge climactic differences. And then if you keep going towards Cape Town in your car along the garden route from the Hemel and Arda Valley, you've got um, sort of Elgin, which is apple land, amazing citrus and and apples grown there. And you've got some incredible wineries such as Paul Kluver, um, who make Mm. incredible Rieslings and real um, just championing citrus flavours. And then over Elgin, you go past Journey's End. Um, We're the last vineyard in the Stellenbosch wine um, sort of region or appellation. Um, And then you get into Stellenbosch, which is I guess if you say to somebody South African wine production, they'll say to you Stellenbosch. It's, it's the most well-known, I think, um, produces the best wine in South Africa. And well, it's quite touristic as well, isn't it? You've got Stellenbosch and Franschuk, both beautiful places, um, great yeah. wine, great food. I mean, it's big, big student there, vibes. That's where I yeah. studied. And <laughs> you've, got this, you've got this mega uni where you basically just eat and drink as much as you can in three years and sort of try and remember that you're meant to be doing a degree and... You're then just, you know, you're in this amazing old Dutch town. And then, yeah, the, the kind of surrounding vineyards are where you've got these really hearty Cabernet Sauvignons that sort of put hair on your chest and they're really chunky. Um, and Stellenbosch is probably the hottest part of, um, of South Africa in terms of wine production. Um, it's got this, it sits in a valley and it's about five or six degrees warmer than where our vineyard is journey's end and we're only half an hour away from this the Stellenbosch valley and that's because it does we show the ocean such difference isn't it of weather between the east and the west isn't it it's, it's crazy exactly and and it also shows massively in the wines as well um just that teeny bit of temperature difference means that you get the kind of more you get more fruit acidity and um you know different sugar levels and then i guess kind of neighboring Stellenbosch uh if you go carry on the main the kind of n2 all the way into cape town you then get to constantia which is mm. where the first vines were, were planted in south africa at the foot of table mountain it's breathtakingly beautiful and it's mainly loam soils and, and that suits um sauvignon blanc and a good bit of um chardonnay most of the red that that comes out of constantia um they they tend to sort of buy in from red wine growing regions in South Africa. But yeah, I think the best Sauvignon Blanc comes from the Constantia region. And then sort of north north and then northwest, you've got then the areas of sort of Paal, Franschuk, Wellington, uh, and then up into Swartland. And Paal and Franschuk are little towns, much like Stellenbosch, um, boasting some really cool, wacky um, wine mines and similar varietals to Stellenbosch as well they they like to work with the kind of more better known uh, Bordeaux red varietals so lots of Malbec and Merlot and then some really nice sort of licorice style Shirazes uh, and then Swartland is I don't know if you went there when you were in South Africa but it's it's kind of a law unto itself and it's the most amazing um, wine producing region they don't really like to grow any any sort of well-known varietals other than Chenin Blanc. Um, but all the wine producers there are just 
super unique and they want to try and take out the stuffy stigma that's attached to wine and just make it fun, sexy uh, and really cool. So, yeah, I guess mm. going from east to west, you've got you've got sort of Kalitzdorp down into um, Elim, Elgin. You've got Walker Bay, Stellenbosch, Constantia, and then you've got Franschuk, Pal, and then Swartland. And, and they're the main kind of homes of South African grapes. That's awesome. That's a great sort of travel guide. Um, I think the, the good thing about these places as well, I think South Africa's so good at hosting tourism as well. And when you go to these these wineries, like they've, they're all incredible. They're beautiful. They've got lovely restaurants. The wine's amazing. They're super helpful. The staff are so nice. Yeah. Like, I remember going just, I think that, that N2, I think, that route from... Yep. Stellies to Cape Town and like we stopped at Takara and Delaire Graf and wherever maybe and it's just like you go into each winery you don't even really think about it you just go in and it's just beautiful um, and, and they're all super and, helpful they all want to let you to try the wines it's great yeah and, and I mean even if they don't have restaurants you go with the you know the every intention of going for a tasting and buying a bottle of wine and you leave five days later and you're you know godfather <laughs> to their kids and you've just got so you've drunk some amazing back vintages and you just get fed the most incredible food and it is genuinely genuinely the most uh, hospitable um country i've been to and certainly um they take real pride in in showcasing what they've created which i think is an integral part of wine production is they're all artists and they've all got their own expressions. And if they can show that to you in a chilled way with your flip-flops on uh, and, you know, having the odd brandy and Coke in between your, your back vintages, it's, it's happy days. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and Tom, you got the best life. You, you're sort of in between England and South Africa, which is my dream one day to have that, the best of both worlds. Summer in, yeah. summer in England playing cricket and then uh, back to South Africa for the, for the wine. Um, That's ideal. Tell me uh, about the South African wine market in England. I mean, how much is it selling? And actually, not just in England, around the world. I mean, do you sell much <coughs> South African wine to the US or China? Or is, it, is England your biggest sort of uh, market? So England certainly gets South African wine um, more than other countries. I think the, the British palate is suited to South African wine style. There's a massive... Um, sort of tourist uh, tourism um, emphasis around the wine industry in South Africa. Loads of Brits go out there every year to drink great wine. They go out for the cricket, for you know, rugby, or just to go on holiday because of you know there's no jet lag. And so there's a real sort of synergy between us and the South Africans. Hence, for me, uh, England being the most, or the UK being the most important um, sort of country or uh, place to crack. When it comes to wine sales and we, we luckily have got really good representation here i think the challenge of selling south african wine is that um i think i touched upon it earlier it was painted with a brush of being quite cheap and cheerful and and there is nothing wrong with that and there is still some cheap and cheerful wine coming into the market but it was quite hard to kind of get rid of those shackles and and just convince the consumer that they need to start taking south africa far more seriously and it's a battle or a challenge that I've absolutely adored. And it's one that I found quite easy because if you've got an amazing product, which luckily I do with Journey's End and, and most of my sort of colleagues do when they're selling their vineyards, then that's half the battle. And as long as you know it well enough and you're able to give people good enough reasons to drink it, then they will. And, and you know, you, you mentioned it at the start, value for money, there's no country that comes close to South Africa. So... 
The British market, massively important for us, about 70% of all our all of our Journey's Zen branded stuff comes into South Africa. And I, I don't know what the figures are for South Africa in general coming into the UK, but I know that it's a large, uh, a massive, massive chunk of premium South Africa comes into the UK. And then mm. you'll find um, a lot of wine kind of flooding into Europe. Um, a lot goes into Germany and Holland. They're free markets. And, and again, there's a lot of Germans and Dutch um, or Dutch heritage, obviously, in South Africa, but a lot of Germans and Dutch come to South Africa and their cuisine types suit South African wine. And again, they're, they're cottoning on that South Africa is growing incredibly fast and the quality is rising hugely. Um, and then I guess where the challenges lie is sort of the US and Canada and Asia. Um, and why there are challenges in the US and Canada is because Canada is governed by a monopoly system. I look after Canada for, for the business I work for. And to get your wine into uh, Toronto or to get your wine into um, Alberta or into uh, Montreal, you've got to go through these government controlled uh, liquor boards. And so that makes, um, it takes away any sort of goodwill or it takes everything out of wine and it all goes down to price points. And it also all goes down to what the buyer is wanting to choose at the end of the day. And often that's not South Africa. So Canada is slow to sort of pick up on, on South African wine, but it's doing it. They've got some really good buyers and I think they're really wanting to focus on it. America is similar. It's structured on a sort of per state um, category. So each state has their own liquor laws and you've just got to take on each state at a time. I forget how massive that place is. Uh, it's not like the yeah. UK. Um, and then Asia is just booming. Um, and it's booming right down from sort of bulk South Africa wine that they want to then it bottle in, 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 in you know, China or Japan or whoever's buying it, all the way up to amazing back vintages that South African vineyards have held back that they want to have and, and kind of show their, their friends and colleagues. I think the Asian wine market is probably the most novice drinkers. So in a way, you've got a, a blank canvas to show them some really cool and exciting things. Uh, mm. But yeah, I mean, I know for us as a business, and I think it's similar to a number of family-owned um, vineyards in South Africa who are wanting to kind of champion premium, that the UK, Denmark, um, Germany, Holland, uh, and then kind of Asia are the main focuses for us. Anything else on top of that okay. is, is, a, is a bonus. But I think... You know, most most producers supply up to about 20 or so different countries. OK, cool. So it is sort of going around the world slowly and Asia is looking like a bit of an emerging um, emerging market. Uh, continent for, for that. Yeah. yeah interesting. Um, yeah. And obviously you would you would uh, recommend your your wines. Um, <laughs> of course. But uh, sort of apart from apart from Journey's End, um, are there any wineries out there you would recommend you know looking at the sort of the 10 to 15 pound area anything in particular you like to drink yeah so i, I really when I, when you mentioned um that this might be something we talk about uh, sort of prior to our zoom i would i got super excited because there's some really cool vineyards in south africa that are doing amazing things so i'll give you i'll give you three recommendations i'll give you two based on quality of wine and I'll give you one based on innovations that they're undertaking so aside from Journey's End which is ours which is solar powered winery and we're trying to champion kind of sustainability and 
and we make amazing Chardonnays. I'd say that there is a guy called Richard Kershaw who makes, I think, the best Chardonnay I've ever had in the world. He's, an, he's a Brit who moved out to South Africa in the 90s and he's based in the kind of Walker Bay part of, of South Africa and his Chardonnays are just deliciously buttery um, and <clears throat> I think they are everything you'd look for in a wooded Chardonnay. I appreciate that Chardonnay kind of fell out of favour when everyone started naming their kids Chardonnay, but it's, it's <laughs> made a big comeback. Chardonnay. And yeah, footballers' wives took it to pieces. So um, people have worked hard to get it back. But, but Richard Kershaw, Chardonnay, check it cool. out. I'm, I can't help you in terms of where it's... Um, I'll find where it, it's been. Anyway, I'll find it. <laughs> You'll find it. Um, so number two for me uh, would be... Um, Crystalum, who make staggeringly good Pinot Noir. Um, and it's a guy called Peter Allen Finlayson. The Finlayson family are sort of a bit like the Bouchard Mafia and the Hemlinada. Exactly. So there's, there's lots of them around. And you've got Bouchard Finlayson Winery. And then you've got Carolyn Martin, who owns Creation. She was a Finlayson. You've got Peter Allen, who's the winemaker at Crystalum. So that sort of valley is, is sort of governed by them. And his Pinot Noirs are just... A, a world class and and I think what makes it even cooler is that he's a he's an amazing guy and just is a very chilled human being who wants to to create wine that's unique but very true to its terroir so the doff of my cap goes to yeah goes to Richard Kershaw goes to Crystalum and then um I think in terms of innovation there's a very cool brand uh called Painted Wolf I don't know if you heard about yes. it or came across yeah. it yeah uh and Painted Wolf is super interesting. They 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 donate a huge number of their uh, of their um, sort of proceeds to wild dogs. So I think there's about 450 wild dogs left in South Africa at the moment. About 6,000 roughly worldwide, and they've got a huge number of enemies, such as farmers and people wanting to hunt them. But they are the most incredible animals, and. Um, Jeremy Borg, who who owns um, who owns Painted Wolf, has just made it his aim to really kind of uh, elevate the the kind of um, yeah elevate Painted Wolves into people's um, peripheral and just make sure that we're aware of how how rare they are and how cool they are. So and his wines happen to be delicious as well. But they're based in Pal region, um, and it's initiatives like that we actually make a um, we make a. a an ocean cleanup wine so we donate some proceeds to ocean cleanup from the wine um and loads of other producers are doing really cool community focused uh, and environmentally focused projects within their wineries that just i think set them above and apart from the rest of the world really so they're my three recommendations cool thank that's great tom thank you i my little shout out to Jordan as well. I know you like Jordan. Jordan, movies, yeah. I mean, but, um, I, 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 I wanted, to, I wanted to choose. Yeah, I wanted to choose three that were um, that are well known, but not maybe necessarily in the UK. You've, you know, mm. I could, I could give you fifty such as yeah, Journey's yeah, End, yeah. Jordan, Springfield, Paul Kluver, who are just legends. But I wanted to go. Yeah. I wanted to go off the beaten track slightly. That's great, and we'll uh, we'll be tagging all those in them. So if anyone wants to know where to buy them i'll do a tag and sort of find where um, they can be purchased from independents around the country so i'll help you there um nice tom that is wicked thank you so much for today um that was a great insight into essay obviously just an overview we can't go into too much detail we've only got 25 30 minutes to do so but um 
maybe down the line we'll do a more uh, a further look into South Africa that can be a bit longer and you can um, come back on and talk us through it 100% as long as you don't get bored of my voice I can talk I can talk till the cows <laughs> come home so it's all good with me super we'll never get bored cheers Tom. Perfect, thanks man. a lot mate such a pleasure George thanks mate bye bye bye, bye. bye.